So hello everyone, welcome back to 20 Minute Marketing. I hope you're all having a great day. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Um, today's episode is, is another really exciting one. We have a great guest that has um, a, quite a stout background, um, lots of experience in the industry. Um, so I'm just going to introduce you to him, um, give you a bit of a background of who he is and what he's done professionally. So today's guest is Zev Ash. He is the president of a company named Ladaza. They are based in Long Island, New York and New York City. They are an outsourced executive marketing company. Um, Zev himself holds an MBA in marketing and he has a background in psychology as well, doing a BA in psychology. He is the professor of a marketing um, a professor of marketing at Turo, Turo, is it Turo, Zev, sorry? Yes, Turo College. Turo College, yep, Graduate School of Business. So he's going to be great to talk about for the final section of the podcast. Um, and most importantly, he has probably spent three decades in what he calls the trenches of small business. So this is interesting to talk about focusing on smaller companies. Um, and over the last few decades, he's spent um, time building multi-million dollar companies and now is helping other small businesses do the same. And he has a couple of books that we're going to sort of talk about as we go along in the podcast today. He's the author of a book that's already been released called Are You Sure About That? And he also has a new book coming out called Marketing Mistakes, um, which we're going to dive into and talk about some of the things that he's explored and found out about um, while he's been writing that book. So hi, Zev. First of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And uh, hello from New York, what we call the Big Apple down here. Hello. Right. Let, yeah. Let's time time to get started. I'm very interested to hear about all of these mistakes that you found out and how they can lead to helping people um, improve their marketing and their companies. Um, so stay tuned, everyone. We'll dive right into the main subject in just one moment. Right. Yeah. So time to get started and let's talk about um, marketing in 2019 and some insights that Zev can share with us. Um, so, yeah, first of all, if you want to sort of give us an insight as to um, how you've built yourself up to become to a level where you're, you're writing books and you're learning about some sort of mistakes that happen um, that you've got to witness across the board. Okay. Um, so um, I'm originally from Israel and I grew up um, as a son of a uh, uh, an incredibly hardworking father who had a, a very small grocery store uh, and small as in it was in the corner between two streets. And if you walked a couple of blocks away in any direction, you'll hit another grocery store. And um, I, I kind of watched him work from four o'clock in the morning when back then, you know, you bring the fresh milk and a roll. So people come down and get their breakfast stuff uh, all the way down to seven, eight o'clock at night when he ended the day. And, in in his world, and it's easy to kind of go and analyze what I was witnessing as as a child, but in his world, um, his, his universe, his his geography of what his market was, was literally a block in every direction, and there were just apartment buildings with four or five floors, and I've watched him um, uh, passionately uh, serve customers um, in in every way you could imagine. Because he realized that if, if somebody wasn't served correctly, somebody got angry at him, all they had to do when they left their apartment in the morning, instead of making a left, they could make a right. 
Uh, and it was just really about survival. So the, how do you hold on to all these customers? And um, I remember one particular incident where, where a woman who was married to a very fancy, famous doctor came down and asked my father for some piece of deli meat that he didn't carry because it was very expensive. And he thought I didn't have it. She berated him and stormed out of the, out of the store. And my father stood there crying and he went outside. He got on his bike because that's the only way he got around. He literally rode across town in, in blistering heat. It was in July, uh, found the deli meat, bought it, brought it back to the store, cut it into slices, walked up five, five floors and delivered it to her. And when she offered to pay, um, he refused to take the money. So I, I said it as a background because this is what I imprinted on early on in my childhood. And if I fast forward to um, finishing my MBA in marketing and choosing a career, I purposely chose to, to play, so to speak, in the small business world. I wanted to work for small companies. I didn't have any aspirations to work for large Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies, uh, spend 20 years climbing a ladder and wind up on the top floor in the corner office with with a rubber plant. I wanted to, to work and I wanted to impact companies, not quite like my dad's, but this is the environment that I felt uh, I could do very well. The, the background story to it is when I immigrated to the US, I felt that if I wanted to move personally, move financially and improve my, my condition, it's a small companies that they will allow me to, to get there where you wear multiple hats. You're always exposed. You can't hide behind bureaucracy and politics. You have to do the work to make a difference. And, and that's where I spent sort of 30 years working. And seven and a half years ago, when my youngest daughter was graduating college, uh, I decided that it was time for me to fulfill my own dream, which was to own a company, take what I know, and help small business owners learn and see things from my perspective and help them improve and grow their business. Um, so yeah, clearly a huge um, and wide um, experience in sort of small business marketing. Just moving on to sort of like where you are now then and the book that's coming out, what do you tend to see that works really well or the mistakes that small businesses at present are doing that is impacting them that they could maybe change and um, have a great impact on them in the short term or maybe right. long term. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of wrestled with whether I should use the word mistake or not, because um, I know the world of small business owners and entrepreneurs. I know how, how uh, proud we are of the risk we took. And most business owners don't like to get what I go poked in the eye and say, you did something wrong. This isn't about doing something wrong. It's about recognizing what you're missing for some companies on a daily basis, which really holds you back. And they are mistakes. And so I decided to call it marketing mistakes. Um, I started with five really big ones. And then as I started, as I was writing it, it kind of evolved to more. I don't think the numbers is really relevant. The book is, is a handbook. It's something that, that any business owner can take and begin to go through the mistakes from one to 15 and recognize what they can relate to, what is something that they do. So uh, in terms of, and from a marketing perspective, um, I, I think there's two primary mistakes that I've seen so many business owners make. Uh, 
those in companies that I was part of and now in the past seven and a half years in the clients that we serve in the small business world. Mistake number one is not understanding the answer to what business are you in. Uh, it's incredibly critical to understand it. And by the way, it is a very difficult answer to, to, a, to a difficult question. Um, what does that mean? Well, if you own a pizza place and I asked you what business are you in, you're going to say I'm in the pizza place business or I'm in the food business. Um, this is the first question that we ask all of our prospective clients before we onboard them. What business are you in? And, and almost without hesitation, I can tell you that everybody gets it wrong. The answers are, I'm in the food business. I'm in the customer service business. I'm in the communication business. Those are two generic answers. That, and if you don't hone in on exactly what business you're in, then you're going to miss the mark when it comes to your own marketing. So the answer to business, what business you're in is going to lead you to how you then differentiate yourself from your competitors. So that's mistake number one, not understanding or knowing the answer to what business you're in. The second one, which kind of tied for first in, in my mind and on, in, in many occasions, um, business, a lot of business owners are, are chasing what I call guaranteed outcomes. Everybody wants a guarantee that this is going to work, otherwise I'm not gonna spend any money. And I hear it all the time. So if, if we spend this kind of money on Facebook ads, can you guarantee that, that it's gonna work? The answer is no, I can't guarantee anything and no one can truly guarantee any results. And the reason why guarantees are, are not realistic for small business owners and why you shouldn't be chasing them or expecting them is because marketing is a science. We make, we make hypotheses as how people are going to behave. And then we go out and test it. And this is what we call A-B testing. We constantly test in marketing theories we have on how people are going to react to our products, to our service, to our brand, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes we get it right and people react. And sometimes we don't get it right. And then we go back and improve it. But the key to understanding why guaranteed incomes uh, is not a realistic expectation today is because we're dealing with human behavior and every single one of us is clearly bombarded by incoming digital junk that serves to overwhelm us. And when we have to make a choice, very often it's very difficult because there's so much out there. So how do you sift through all this noise and identify something that actually makes sense to you from yeah, I think yeah, I think with A/B testing as well, it's it, sometimes it can be overwhelming to think right, what, where do I start, or what should I test first? Especially as a small business, when you might only be able to do one or two things at the same time. I, I, absolutely, and you know, I am I am a disciple and a follower of of my mentor. His name is Seth Godin. I've been following him for over twenty years. I've read every book he wrote, every word. Everywhere he spoke, when he's around, I chase him. I sit around. I'm like a, uh, you know, like a Justin Bieber groupie or some celebrity. Guy. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, the, Seth is is truly a, a marketing genius. And there there are a lot of quotes that that can be attributed to him. There's one that that is particularly resonated with me, and it is actually uh, you know in the back of of my business card when I hand it to people. And it's sort of like my message to everyone else. And the quote is, the cost, of, the cost of being wrong 
is less than the cost of doing nothing. So what happens with a lot of the clients that I see in a small business world, and I've seen it throughout my career as well, because I've come into contact with, with hundreds of business owners through traveling all over the world, is, you know, you try something, it doesn't work, and then you decide it's not going to work, so you're not just not going to do it. And so the cost of being wrong is way less than the cost of doing nothing. And what goes along with, with this quote and philosophy and, and my personal belief is that uh, free marketing just doesn't exist anymore because, you know, my competitor could be somebody in, in what we call a porta potty. I don't know if you have them in England, you know, those little. So yeah, yeah. like port, yeah. port loose. Yeah. yeah. So my competitor could be somebody operating out of a, a Wi-Fi quick porta potty and a laptop with a beautiful website and self-made testimonials and all kinds of stuff, uh, it can truly impact my business. So uh, everyone is a competitor and everybody and everyone gets to say stuff. And some of it is free. Posting on Facebook is free. It doesn't cost any money. Using a free email platform and sending emails all day is free. But what what we know, those of us that work in the business and understand the challenges of, of growing any company today is that free simply doesn't work. Can you get some results done with free? Yes, you can. But the key is, will you get sustainable and consistent growth for your business by using free products? And the answer is no. And the reason it's no is because everyone else realized that you have to pay to be seen. And when you pay to be seen, when you use Google ads or use Facebook ads, use Instagram ads, if you use LinkedIn, the power of LinkedIn in terms of their own advertising platform, you get to hone in and identify very carefully your target markets and deliver messages to them. You don't get to do this when it's free. So I, I could talk about this for a long time. I thought I, I made my point. <laughs> that yeah i think that that resonates really well with b2b as well you're not gonna you're not gonna find your target audience on b2b just by posting on your facebook page every day no because because um, look so my clients for example are business owners um most of the business owners that i know do not waste their time sitting on facebook or instagram uh or twitter I'm more likely to find them on LinkedIn if they're active and they're actually looking to learn and read what's out there. Um, uh, we always start with our clients at a very conservative level. So if you want to try Facebook ads, we can start at $10 a day, run for a week, let the Facebook algorithm learn what we're doing, recommend how to improve it. We look at results and then we can decide to either increase it by five, change the ad completely, start something new, you can experiment and test and measure at a low level without going bankrupt, but you have to do something. If you just sit there and just throw yeah. stuff on the wall for free, long-term, it's not going to work. And I think that goes back to your original point about A-B testing and checking and, and making sort of educated risks and putting yourself out there and seeing what yeah. happens. And, and if I may, there's, there's one other, I'll, I'll give you the third major mistake that almost everyone makes. And that is not, they don't have a written marketing plan. It's not a business plan. Business plans are written for a different purpose. It's more of a financial perspective. If you're either raising money or you want to look at the business as a whole, the marketing plan is the roadmap of how you're going to achieve the targets that you set up for your company. 
And if you don't have a roadmap, you're just simply not going to get there. And I would say that eight out of 10 business owners that I speak with do not have a properly detailed written marketing plan. And it's, we do it for them. It's pretty intense. It takes four to six weeks. But the, the point that I make is um, every pilot, regardless of how many years they've been flying, must file a flight plan before they take off. Every pilot, they have to do it, yeah. right? And why yeah. wouldn't you as a business owner, if you have a vision of where you want to go, why wouldn't you do the same? As experienced as you may be, as an expert as you may be in your own industry or niche, um, if you don't have a roadmap, and the roadmap defines everything from what the targets are to you, the persona of your customers, to the platforms and the tools we're going to use to get there. And at the end, you build a marketing budget of this is what we're going to spend in order to, to achieve our, our growth and the goals that we set up. Uh, you can tweak it, but at the end of the day, there's a plan and then you can hand it off to someone who can then execute the plan. And all you do as a business owner is oversee what's going on in terms of the activities and, and look at the results. And if the results are not there, then you tweak and you ask tough questions. But it's it's almost a guaranteed helter skelter, uh, peaks and valleys type of a sales uh, uh, sales trend if you don't have a plan. And so, and, yeah. and most people just don't. Um, yeah, I think that's it's it's more of a it almost comes across as a little bit traditional to write it down on a piece of paper, but it's so much easier to just go back to and check where you are and if you're achieving everything. Um, I know we're sort of pressed on time in this main section, but in terms of, I'll sort of summarize that a little bit, in terms of maybe um, creating that plan over four to six weeks, how specific or how vague do you think a company should want to be? It, it is the reason it takes us four to six weeks to do is because it needs to be incredibly detailed. It needs to be granular. And we, we start with what we call a 360 degree assessment of the business. We'll go in and we'll interview everybody in the company, particularly the leadership team. We do a competitive analysis. We ask for a list of customers and we randomly call customers and ask them questions about it. We look at the entire business first then we come back, sit down with the business owner or the management team and say, okay, what are your objectives for the company? Where do you want to go? We'll then come back with the plan that defines niches, per customer personas, which are the types of customers and segments that we want to get to, uh, the tactics we're going to use, or in other words, the tools that we're going to deploy based on what we've learned in terms of who our competitors are and what are the needs in the, co in, in the field by customers. The plan needs to be very, very detailed. It could be summarized as a one page for everyone to get an overview. But the plan that we produce um, is incredibly granular and it should be that way because, um, you know, I, I was listening to someone the other day and he said, you know, all business owners have a real good clarity on, on Oz, right? It was like the Wizard of Oz. They know that they want to mm -hmm. get to Oz. But they, don't, but they haven't built the yellow brick road in order to get there. And the yellow brick road is the marketing plan. That's the roadmap. And at the end of the day, marketing is actually very simple. It's complicated to execute, but it's simple. The role of marketing is to generate leads and expose your company to new customers that you can onboard. 
And then is what I call the three pillars of growth. Marketing is step one. Step two is sales. Sales will take the leads and convert them into paying customers. And the third pillar is customer service. Once you have them as paying customers, the mantra that I used to give to my teams when I ran companies, and I do it with our own clients, uh, teams when, when we get them together, is your job as customer service is to provide the type of customer experience to, to your clients that never, ever, ever gets them to a point where they begin to consider replacing you. So I look at marketing as those three things working together in sync. Part of our marketing plan also includes looking at the sales process, identifying if it's efficient, and also looking at customer service because your customer existing customer retention and getting more business and more growth, the easiest place to go is your existing customers. Everybody wants new ones. The cost of acquiring a new client, a new lead, is pretty expensive. The cost of holding on to your customers and getting them to spend more with you is much easier. So those three always go together and they're all part of the marketing plan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's easy to um, forget that your current customers are very easy to um, to focus on at times. Um, I think that's definitely a nice place to round off um, on our main section. Um, so thanks for staying with us, everyone. And we'll just move on to the final section of graduate advice in just a moment. All right, everyone, just to finish off, we have the final section of 20-minute marketing, which is graduate advice. Um, as I always mentioned, the section is aimed at helping future or recent graduates in preparing for a marketing role, or maybe that are in their first role. And I also like to mention that it, it also benefits employers that maybe are looking to hire in-house graduate staff. Um, so yes, Zev, um, since you actually teach MBA students and B2B undergrad students, I'm interested to sort of hear um, your side of things in terms of graduates and how you think that they can maybe stand out or any advice you have for them. Okay, great. So um, in, in the graduate school that, that I work at, the majority of the students are also working full-time. And so they, they're already engaged in a career and they go to school in the evenings for a couple of years to get their MBA. The undergrads that take the business courses are in a different position. But what's common to everyone is the first question that they, they want to ask at the beginning of the semester is, how do I get an A? And my answer to them is, you don't. And they look at me kind of funny, and I said, look, I, you, you have to understand that everybody wants to get an A, and what are you going to do with an A? So if you wind up with a 4.0 average, um, and you, you create a resume, and you create a cover letter, and you go out there, and so you got an A, what is that going to do for you? So, so what I try to do is I call it like recalibrate their, the students' uh, expectations and, and how they view themselves in terms of a product. So for me, and this is what I try to teach them, I said, look, when, whenever I was in the corporate world and I was on the hiring side, every time we post a, a want ad, and that happens with my clients because we help them do that as well, there are literally hundreds of resumes that will flood your inbox because most of the stuff is digital these days hundreds and hundreds of resumes that come in. The challenge that you face is very often the person that is uh, designated to sift through the resumes and do the work for the hiring manager or the VP or the department uh, or the group director, whoever it might be, the person that's actually tasked with going through the list, the, the piles of resumes 
is somebody who's a very, very low level employee who was just told, this is what I want you to look for. So literally they're going to go, okay, garbage, 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 keep, keep, keep. They take the pile that's keep and hand it off to somebody else. The same problem exists for us in the business world. There's a tremendous amount of noise. Everybody jumps around and say, buy for me, buy for me, buy for me. And as a result, it's overwhelming. And so the key to everybody that's in school today, uh, specifically those that are graduating, I call this and I, and I teach a class for graduate students called self-marketing. You have to consider yourself as a product. You're a product or a service. How are you going to stand out and differentiate yourself as a candidate from other people? Question one, if you're currently working and you want to move up in the company and you want to change jobs and take additional responsibilities, how are you going to differentiate yourself from others? And so the, the, the story that I tell everybody, and I'll say it very quickly, that is during a performance review one year, one of my, my employees said to me, uh, do you think I'm a good employee? And I said, yeah, you're a good employee. And he said, yeah, I come to work on time. I take my lunch hour. I'm not getting, I don't get sick. And I said, that's correct. And he said, then why didn't I get a bonus? And I looked at her and I said, because I'm paying you. We're paying you for exactly what we hired you to do. You will get a bonus if you do exceptional work, if you make a difference in the company, if you initiate. If, if, there's a, if I sit down and talk about employees and your name comes to mind first, you've made a difference. So the challenge for everybody that's, that's going to school and investing in an education and an MBA or an undergrad is the same thing. Spend your time today understanding that the way you're going to get hired is by making a difference. Do things that make a difference. Get yourself involved with things within your, your specialty that are going to be impactful. You don't want a long list, a two-page list of things you've done. If you show me one or two things you've done consistently for a couple of years with measurable, clear results, that's what we look for. And the last piece, it, at least in the U.S., and I'm sure the U.K. Is, is the same, we look for candidates for employment who have an entrepreneurial spirit. That's, that's the generation that we look for. We want employees that are just not going to come in and punch in and punch out. We want somebody to come in that's going to own their job and really take it personally as though it's part of their company. And then not be afraid to take risk, not be afraid to do things, get on a ledge. You might fail sometimes, but you're not gonna be held responsible for it. I love employees that come in and not afraid to challenge the status quo. And then you give them the tools, let them go do what they're capable of doing. And that's really the, the employees that we look for. That's how you stand out. So. Again, self-marketing, how I differentiate myself as a candidate, you'll do that not just by interviewing well, but actually spending time to think about how you can make a difference and having an entrepreneurial spirit. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to challenge the status quo and own it and you'll be okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's actually a good summary to um, finish off on because it doesn't have to just, that advice that you gave there doesn't have to just be for graduates. It can be for anyone in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, be bold and be creative and see what happens and be prepared to take risks and who knows where it'll take you. Absolutely. It's not just marketing. It is, if this is, if you... It, yeah, yeah, in any career. Right. In yeah. any career, if you want to get employed somewhere, if you want a long-term job, you need to get noticed and, and make an impact on your fellow workers, on the company, on the customers, that's how you get seen. That's how you move ahead. 
Right. Yep. So thank you for some great insights and sharing. You've been a great storytelling um, episode. Um, we're going to summarize there. Thanks for listening um, to all the listeners. I'm aware that we might have gone over a little bit in this episode, but it was definitely worth it. Um, yeah. So thanks a lot for your time, Zev, and I hope everyone else enjoys it. My pleasure. Thank you.